welcome to the Courtney Turner Podcast. I'm here today with Jen Vandywater. She is a pharmacist and she is also on the board of the wellness company. I've talked about the wellness company before. Uh, we have an affiliate link you can check below. How are you doing today? I'm good, Courtney. A pleasure to be here. Yeah, likewise. I'm so glad to, to be with you today. So maybe you could start by talking a little bit about your journey because you are a pharmacist who is somewhat anti-big pharma. So how, how does that go? <laughs> yeah, that's always, it's, it's actually a very popular topic for sure. Um, I'll start back to what, what drew me into pharmacy wasn't really uh, pharmaceuticals. It actually was helping people. I love the interaction that a retail pharmacist had in their community. I started as a pharmacy technician working in a pharmacy local to me and just loved how people came in and you could talk, share photos, people brought their pets in. Like it was just a very nice community environment. And I realized in that moment, maybe I should just take that leap and go to college and become the pharmacist and not just be a pharmacy technician. And so I did and I graduated pharmacy college in 2006 as a doctor of pharmacy. But when I got out there practicing, it changed a lot in that little span of time. Um, the pharmacists were now not really engaging with the customers. Um, you know, it became a very robotic environment where scripts would come in and the technicians would count them and the pharmacist would check them, but there's no engagement with the community. And if someone had a question, you know, you had to be quick and short with them because work was piling up in the pharmacy and people were waiting for scripts and you were short staffed like intentionally, like you had one pharmacist and one technician to fill all these scripts. And so you couldn't engage. So that started me kind of displeased with all that work I had put into becoming a pharmacist. So I left the retail setting and I jumped into the independent pharmacies, the mom and pops of our community and really found a good home there. I felt they seemed to be more connected, more engaged in community efforts, wanting to really help people. It wasn't so much fill prescriptions. It was counsel and comfort, you know, give people what they were looking for. So I really enjoyed that. But again, big pharma kept reaching in and trying to control, monopolize even these independent pharmacies. And the way big pharma was able to do that was through insurance companies. So for me, what I noticed is working at a retail setting, you would get reimbursed pretty good rates from the insurance company when filling a prescription. You go to the independent mom and pops, they weren't getting reimbursed anything. And there were times, believe it or not, the insurance company would give us a negative reimbursement. That meant we had to pay the insurance company for filling that script. So these mom and pop stores, I mean, they just could not, they, they're struggling. They could not last. And so I started to realize that there was this overreaching arm of big pharma through insurance companies. The other thing I noticed through the years was over-prescribing. I was just astonished at how when I started as a technician, and then by the time I became a pharmacist, seeing people were on more and more meds, and people were on like double-digit numbers of meds, and I thought, something doesn't seem right here. How? And, and watching people were not getting healthier. So right. things were, like, I was questioning, and I guess when you're a critical thinker and you question, nobody has answers, right? You talk to your colleagues and you're kind of shut down a little bit. And so I was, I just didn't understand why college teaches you quality of life comes from prescribed medications. But what I witnessed in practice was the opposite. I saw people my age on multiple medications, very unhealthy. And then I would see people like in grandparent age and they were on a few medications and like jogging in the morning and just very upbeat. So 
I started to realize things weren't right. Um, the end of 2019 is kind of where this journey began. I knew I could not work retail anymore. I knew I could not put myself out there because I was I was kind of being silenced, trying to be an advocate for the patient. So I knew I had to work alongside the provider, be a voice and kind of encourage the provider to not always go to the script pad, but to look at the patient as an individual, see what's really the underlying cause, try to work through some issues before we go to a medication. Like there could be something else happening. Let's not band-aid a problem. Let's really dive into what could be bothering someone. And and I knew I, that that was where I really felt was my calling. So I quit my job. I had a job lined up, 2020 hit, and the job was terminated due to COVID. So here I was on the sidelines watching all this stuff unfold and i just started getting out there i was becoming like an activist i was like this is crazy like i'm out there trying to promote health and wellness and met amazing people and i always say this and it, it really resonates you know i was trying to fit in locally and work with doctors god had a bigger calling he wanted me to work nationally on a bigger scale to really bring health and wellness to the people through where i'm at now with the wellness company that's awesome wow so when you were seeing all this stuff go down in 2020, was it your experience? So I feel like it sounds like a lot of seeds have been planted along the way in your uh, your journey working as a pharmacist and going through that experience. So do you feel like you caught on pretty quickly to what was going on in 2020? Or how, what was your reaction when everything was starting to unfold? Yeah, my first thought was this is really geared towards the election. Like my first thought was they're trying to do something because it's an election year. But I wasn't sure if if this if there was some truth or validity behind what was going on. So for the first few weeks I was a bit, you know, hesitant and cautious. And then my again science training said, well, summer's coming, so viruses aren't around in the summer. This will go away by summer. And when I noticed it wasn't going away by summer, and then it was intensifying. I said, okay, things started to, the alarm bell started going off. Like there's more happening here. And and you're absolutely right. I believe all my years of questioning and seeing things led me to not fall prey to the propaganda of, you know, of 2020. Yeah. Yeah. It's really interesting to me, just like the people who uh, kind of, you know, were questioning the narrative from the very beginning. Um, and, uh, you know, when I started this podcast, I, I really had no idea what direction I was going to go in. I was like, I couldn't narrow it down. I had too many interests. But one of the things that was so fascinating to me was that the people who were the most, you know, for lack of a better term, but red-pilled really quickly by the experience of 2020 were people in the health and wellness space. So it was just very interesting to watch these people who were like traditionally, maybe politically very far left-leaning like fitness trainers and they might have been like you know artists on the side that kind of thing suddenly just wake up because you know and not not so much about politics but just wake up to the lies that have been you know perpetuated for so long because they're like this doesn't make sense there was so much hypocrisy like we, we have a, a health crisis but we're going to shut down gyms but we'll keep the liquor stores and donut shops open i'm confused how does this work you know, so. right. or even with the mask, you know, you can take your mask off once you sit down. But when you're walking, I guess you could be attacked by this virus. Like it was just very bizarre what was going on for sure during that time. Yeah, I, I just that I 
I figured out why they called it a novel virus. It was because it, it was the first one that had a GPS in it. It was really, really smart, you know. Like was a smart you one. You got a good one there. <laughs> totally. Totally. So what are your thoughts about what is going on with Big Pharma now? What their like what their agenda is, what's gonna come next? Do you have any thoughts about that? Yeah, I do. And one moment I remember when I was at a pharmacy working and the numbers, our script count numbers were not super high. And my district manager came in that day and he threw the papers on the counter at me and said, you need to get your numbers up. And I looked at him and I said, what do you want me to do? Make people sick? And as that rolled off my tongue, it was like kind of an awakening and an epiphany almost like, wait a minute, what's going on here? Like this is this is a sick care industry. We want sick people to come in and fill prescriptions. When my goal, I became a pharmacist to engage and help people, not just give them medication, like not just keep them unwell so they can keep coming back as a recurring customer. So I think that Big Pharma's agenda has always been sick care, never really been healthcare. And I also feel they create the problem to then give you a partial solution, right? It's not really the whole solution. And people think that they're okay. And again, I feel a lot of these medications are masking some problems. I feel that there are people that are not, you know, looking into really the root cause of what's what's happening in their body. Is it food related? Is it emotional related, spiritually related? There's a lot of levels that we're not taught in school. And I'm starting to realize that people out there aren't even aware of as well. So I think Big Pharma has plans. Now, what I do see happening too, and in talking with my colleagues that are like like minded, and we share and we discuss what's going to happen. Um, a lot of the pill, you know, tablets we have out there are coming off of patents, and the new the new crave that's going on in big pharma is injectables. Now, I don't know if you see any of the commercials on TV, but everything is injectable, injectable, injectable. That's even kind of a cautious for me. Like, why would you want to start injecting things that you don't know how long it's going to take to clear through your body? When you take a tablet, you know the metabolism is a little quicker. So again, I'm just cautious with where things are going and people should be alarmed. I see what Big Pharma's agenda really is. Yeah, absolutely. I I am seeing that they're pushing a lot of uh, injectables and the concern for me is, as you said, one, you know, the metabolism of something that ingested orally not that there aren't problems with that as well uh, of course there are and there you know right. some pretty significant when you hear some of the things that uh you know like the world economic forum some of the, the heads of pfizer have talked about through uh you know oral ingested pills but i think with the injectables they're going directly into the bloodstream and the adjuvants are a huge concern to me right what what are your thoughts on that right you don't know I, I mean, they have to mix it with it. it. They can't just give you, they're not giving you just whatever supposedly the right. uh, solution, you know, the the medication is. They're mixing it with other things and you could have reactions or there could be some, uh, you know, more uh, detrimental intentionally uh, mixed in. Correct. Absolutely. And we see that with the vaccines, you know, with the vaccine, they've had aluminum, mercury, formaldehyde. I mean, it's like, okay, and, and really, is that an adjuvant we really need to have? 
you know? So what are they going to be putting in these other injectables? It is a, a concern. And it's the same for tablets and capsules. You know, there's they have to put fillers right. in in these products to, to bulk them together, to hold it together. So it's the same thing. Like, what are they using? And, you know, I saw over the years recalls taking place because some of the things that were ending up in the pills were carcinogenic. You know, there's been recalls and it was due. And I for me as a pharmacist, I'm like, how, how did that, like, how does that happen? And so again, it makes me question, was it intentional? And then it was brought to someone's attention and then they had no choice. I don't know, but I would rather question than just take word for word as the why. Yeah, I'd rather sit and have the questions even without the answers, but still at least question, you know, what is really going on behind the scenes? Absolutely. What are your thoughts on, I know this was kind of a big, uh, it was a big media blitz pretty recently with all the SSRIs and how there's no, there was never any evidence to indicate that uh, the chemical imbalances would cause, uh, you know, the uh, mental illness, and that so therefore SSRIs are not necessarily effective. Uh, and the reason I'm asking because I, it was very strange to me because a lot of these studies were done in the 90s. And then again, you know, in the early 2000s, but the, it was like this year, last year that the media was going nuts over this. So I, I'm curious from a, a pharmaceutical lens, what your thoughts are. <laughs> yes. And of course, through my college years, the training I received was that there was a serotonin imbalance. Yeah, that's what we were. We were told we were taught that there was this chemical imbalance and people were you know, dealing with uh, life issues differently due to that imbalance. And so these medications were developed to help people, you know, put them back in balance. And you're absolutely right. What I've kind of realized, and I'll, I'll tell a story of a patient I had once. She came in, she was going through a really rough time, and she brought a prescription and it was for uh, Celexa, which is a serotonin, you know, reuptake inhibitor. And when she brought it in, I could tell by reading her body language, she was struggling with even handing this prescription to me. And so I, just being me, you know, I said, are you okay? And she said, I really am reluctant to fill this because my doctor just kind of wrote it for me. I'm going through a divorce right now and it's really traumatic. And again, that's like a, just a window of her life. That's not an imbalance, right? That's this a, a temporary trauma that's causing you to react very natural. And so I took her to the side room and we sat and talked for a while. And I explained to her that this prescription is good for a year. If you don't want to fill it today, it's totally your choice. Hang on to it. If you feel in six months, you know, I really might be depressed. I really might be having issues. Come back. But at the height of a trauma, at the height of something you're going through, do you want to take something that could throw you out of balance? Because we now know, right? Is it going to throw you out of balance? Are you going to then need another medication? Because this medication just altered your chemical makeup. And then you've got to start, that's what happens, right? It's another med and another med and another med because it's a cascade of events that starts occurring. And she left that day like empowered because she was making a health decision for herself. And I didn't tell her what to do. I just listened yeah. and, and gave advice based off of like what the parameters were for filling that prescription. And she said, I'll do it when I want to do it, not when I'm being told to do it. And I think that's what's that's what's missing is empowering people, not just coming in for an appointment and saying, I know everything. Here's what you have to do. And then people leave kind of like, wait, what just happened at this appointment? When people are really coming for confirmation, recommendation, comfort, you know, they're looking to just know that they're OK in a rough patch that they're going through. So I do think that 
it's amazing they actually put that out there because they would want to keep these meds going because again it, it starts with one and then it adds and adds and adds and again that's their their profit so i don't know if something was leaked there to make that come out but that's kind of interesting that it's making headlines yeah it was very very interesting to me and that that's interesting what, you, what you're saying about how because we do see this so often that one medication then leads to needing more right because there's always side effects i mean they they say that you know you know when you take something there's going to be a side effect so why do you think that or i i, I guess we know why but but maybe you could talk a little bit about it and how to encourage people to look a little bit deeper because i think people take that for granted that things are just safe effective right that that's kind of the yes. tagline and a lot of times they're you know not safe they have side effects and that's a risk you're taking which a lot of people don't know they're not being told what the side effect could potentially be and in some cases they could be pretty significant and mm -hmm. they're also in many cases as you know with this example they're not all that effective either so you now you're taking a risk and you don't necessarily have uh you know you're not getting the the solution you were hoping for so what what do you advise for people how do they uh reconcile that and take care of themselves and be their own advocate. Right. Well, the first thing that's really important is to is to really, I think, sit with yourself mm -hmm. and really have a conversation with yourself. Like, do I need this? Like, really kind of break away from, you know, this is what I would do. So I'm just saying what I would do. I, I mean, we all have we all have struggles. We all have times where we're, you know, confronted with something, right? There's no one that's on, on, it's on not going through something. So for me, I would, you know, I would just sit there with myself and just pro try to process. And then, of course, look at what you can do naturally first. Mm -hmm. Like what can be done naturally where I'm not putting a medication into my body? How can I treat myself in a way um, to just balance things back. And sometimes it's as simple as getting sunlight, going for a walk in nature, you know, having a pet, petting an animal, having a pet actually lowers blood pressure, decreases heart disease. Because again, it's like there's something nurturing in nature about having an animal and someone to take care of. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I've seen it with people that have lost pets, they're heartbroken, and then they get another one and and they, uh, they're uplifted. It changes their mood. Um, another thing which is crazy and nobody thinks about this gardening so yeah. there's microbiomes in the soil so when your hands are in there or you're walking barefoot in there your body's absorbing and then when you're close to it you're breathing in these natural microbiomes that actually boost your happy hormones naturally yeah. so there is something about getting outdoors so again i always say first line should be what can i do naturally and then when you get through the natural, it's like, okay, what supplement do I need? Do I need a supplement? And a supplement is exactly what it's called, is to supplement you. Now, we do need supplements for many reasons. One, our food is no longer pure. So we're not getting the nutrition from our food. So we have to go to a supplement. Um, vitamin D is a very important supplement. It helps not only with the immune system, but also mood. And so vitamin D comes from the sunlight, but if you live like where I am in the winter and it's gray out, I need the vitamin D from a supplement so I'm not gonna get it out in the sun. So little things like that can be done. Once you get past the supplement, then I really think then that that's when you should talk to a provider. If you've tried all options and nothing's happening, but I recommend a trusted provider. You know, really do your vetting on who you're gonna go see, have conversations this way, 
you can have a dialogue that's open and they're not there to just write something down and hand you a script. They're there to listen and have a conversation. This way you can make the best choices for yourself. Now, I'm not anti-pharmaceuticals. You know, I just am anti-big pharma pushing multiple pharmaceuticals on people and changing the course of therapy to where they're pushing these injectables where we have many great and amazing medications. We do not need to keep inventing more. Why don't we utilize what we have so that we can bring health and wellness to the people, not give them more medications at a higher price that could be more damaging to their overall health and wellness. Yeah, absolutely. So speaking of injectables, uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, spike protein because that's what they're they're creating with these injectables. They're the, the theory, at least, that they tell us is that they're turning people into spike protein factories. So mm-hmm. what are your thoughts on that? Because we're told that the spike protein is the problem, but yet we should make people into spike protein factories that's somehow going to solve the problem. I, I, it doesn't make sense to me. So, No, it's definitely a bit of a circus. For sure, I will say <laughs> it, nothing of none of this makes sense. Um, so yes, they, the spike proteins are in the uh, COVID injection. For sure, we do know that. And there are the Pfizer documents that prove that shedding is real. The leaked documents, which now are no longer leaked, it's actually there and all the information available. I'm so sorry to interrupt you, but I wrote a paper on this, like uh, an article on this, like almost three years ago now. And I was called absolutely crazy. Hmm. So, yeah. Uh, so I'm, no. really, I'm trying to get some of the uh, updated literature on it because I'd like to update the article with some more tangible evidence. I mean, I the, it was a speculative piece and I said that when I wrote it, you know, but I did have 39 sources. It wasn't just based out of like thin air at the top of my head, you know, right. um, but I'd love to update it with, uh, you know, some because I know some new information has confirmed some of my theories. Yeah. Yeah, correct. Exactly. And, and you're right. I mean, that it was le- it was in their Pfizer document. So the shedding is real. The shedding actually does occur. And I'll tell you one thing that had me questioning was like, did this just happen with COVID or has this been around for a long time? Okay. Like it made me question now as a pharmacist, and I'm sure you're aware pharmacists can give uh, vaccines at the pharmacy. They, they can become certified immunizers. I never was, and I'm always thankful I never was. I didn't become one, not because I was anti-vax and refused to give it. I just was someone that gets queasy and nauseated, and I always said no one wants a shot from a fainting pharmacist. Like They don't want their pharmacist to pass out on the floor as soon as they get that needle out. So I never became a certified immunizer, but it doesn't mean I didn't pay attention to what was going on around me, right? So the flu season would come. Nobody had the flu until the shots were rolled out every year so it made me question now that i know what i know about shedding i look back in my my mind and my memory and recall you know every time i was at work and the flu season came around the flu season didn't start until we got those shots in the pharmacy and everybody was getting the shots now i never took a shot i was i always put myself in the category young i don't have any health issues why am i gonna take a shot if i don't need it i it was never any other reason but that Looking back, I'm glad I never did because I'm wondering what was really taking place. So again, I just love having a questioning mind. doesn't know if this is fact or not, but I'm just questioning what I've witnessed, right? I'm just putting pieces together and trying to make sense. So it doesn't surprise me that we go into this COVID injection. Leaked documents show the shedding occurs and it's these spike proteins that you know, really cause damage to the body. They they hang out in, in organs, you know, they hang out in the heart, the lungs, reproductive organs, the brain, increase, you know, inflammatory factors. 
You know, they actually cause damage and it prolongs anyone with COVID. So if someone has COVID, they end up with long haul COVID. And then people end up having, you know, vaccine injury due to these spike proteins hanging around. So at the wellness company, you know, we saw this right away that we need to come up with something that the people can have access to. It's natural, you know, because we do not want to have pharmaceutically based, you know, medicine. We want to be able to have natural products for people that can help. So we started doing our research and looking into products and ingredients, and we came across black cumin seed oil. Black cumin seed oil, along with dandelion root extract, inhibit and neutralize the spike protein. So right there, in those those two ingredients, just amazing. But we didn't want to stop there. So we kept looking, well, what else could the body use? Well, you know, as the spike proteins are there, they're causing damage. Damage increases free radicals. And we don't want free radicals in our body because that could lead to a whole other cascade of events. So we chose green tea extract because it's a very potent antioxidant. So the green tea runs around and cleans up those free radicals. Then we chose uh, selenium because with uh, spike protein, there's increased inflammation in the body. So the selenium is a natural anti-inflammatory. It has a, a bunch of other amazing properties as well. But that was the number one reason we chose selenium. And then we chose Irish sea moss because in looking, okay, they're causing damage. Do we have something out there naturally that can repair some of this damage that's been caused? And yes, Irish sea moss is high in mineral concentration. It's amazing. I actually recommended just that to a family member after surgery to help them heal. And the doctor was like, wow, by how fast it was my sister, how fast she recovered. And I said, it's that Irish sea moss I told you to take, you know, like, so it really does help repair, you know, uh, damage caused by the spikes. And then the one ingredient that everyone's talking about is the natokinase. The natokinase was something we chose. And when we put this product together, like last summer developing this, we were looking into something to go through the body naturally and break down the, the fibrin clots. What can we, what is out there naturally? And all of us were talking about natokinase. So that's why we chose natokinase because it's anti-fibrinolytic natural agent. But in December, the study came out of Japan where it shows in vitro that the natokinase actually dissolves and degrades the spike protein. So uh, it, we are like, oh my goodness, it's amazing that this information's out there. And so we have the spike support with all these ingredients in there. So it's absolutely amazing. If people are worried about shedding, if people uh, have the injection and they're concerned what, the, what it's doing to their body, here's something that can naturally help and assist the body in clearing those spike proteins. Wow, that's amazing. So it, this is, you've, you've formulated it all together in one uh, a pill form? Capsule, yes, it's a capsule. Mm -hmm. Great. All wow. together, yeah. Okay, well, definitely I'll post the link and yeah, let people go check. Are there any contraindications with, with that combination of things or with any of those things that uh, individually? Yes. So what we've looked into and we are in the process of developing, we're kind of, we don't have a name for it yet, but we Joe Brown Spike Light because we know that this is contraindicated with women who are nursing or pregnant due to the natokinase being a natural antifibrinolytic. We would rather not recommend that. And also the green tea, the green tea has a little bit of caffeine and some people are very sensitive to that. So we also know that we don't want to do that for nursing moms or, or pregnant women. So that's the first. The second is children. You know, we've had a lot of people reach out to us and say, my child is around kids at school coming home. I'm noticing there's some things happening. 
they, or they got the shot and they're concerned about their child's well-being after the fact. So we know there's a need to help people in that area. So we don't recommend this for children. We recommend 18 years and older for the spike support that we have. So in the next one coming, we're going to have ingredients that are safe for children as well. And then obviously the nanokinase being a, you know, a natural, uh, you know, blood thinner, there are people out there who are on blood thinners. Now, there have been studies that, you know, Heather, Dr. Heather Gessling and I were looking into, and we realized that, you know, the nanokinase does not increase the risk of bleeding like a pharmaceutical blood thinner. So a lot of people on blood thinners, they bang their wrist and they get a cut and they're they're bleeding and they're not stopping. Their, their clotting factors are not working as, as normal, where with natokinase, it kind of just goes and attacks the area that needs that clot broken up, but doesn't cause the whole blood to thin where you could bleed out. So I really recommend if anybody's on a blood thinner to talk to their provider to see if they should or should not use the, this product with natokinase in it. But again, the next one we have coming will have all the ingredients that will be safe and effective for people in that category where they're contraindicated. Oh, that's awesome. What are your thoughts on the spike protein? Like what it actually is and uh, yeah, what it's doing. And my second part of that question is because you talked about the shedding. I, I know some people have mentioned concerns about, you know, potential nanotechnology um, being in the injections and then and possibly transmitting or shedding and people have used different words. I, I think, yeah, it, obviously there's nuance, but the, the concept is similar. So, yeah. And and from what I've read and, and in discussion with colleagues is this is spike proteins have been around with any with any virus. It's it's not like it's something new that just happened. But what I'm hearing is that these I don't know if the word virulent or more aggressive coming from with with covid they're just different and i'm i'm not very scientific in the the language to use but they're they're just a little bit stronger i guess to say compared to illnesses in the past because spike this is not something new and again the idea of shedding i even touched on this i don't think that's new either so i just wonder if there's this like wake up that's kind of happening with so many people looking into things with how everything kind of developed and trying to understand really what's going on I did see, and again, I've never tried this myself, so I can't say, but that people were being like, their Bluetooth was turning on from a person, right? So I don't know what technology it could be in a vaccine. I don't know what they have injected people with. I don't know, but I've heard things, has me questioning. Again, I like to question. I don't have answers, but you know, maybe someday we'll get those answers. But I have seen that there could be a possibility of some other technologies being in these injections. And I, the one thing I, I think for sure, what I've seen across the board from people I've talked to is there were different levels and different gradients of these shots. So I think some people really got placebo without a doubt. Yeah. I think some people got like a very high potency because I know people who within seconds of getting that shot dropped to the floor with convulsions and ended up in the hospital and had severe reaction. Then there are people that I believe there's like a medium potency. They didn't see a reaction for a while and then their body just started to react. And then there's low where they might be unwell for a while. You know, maybe they're just not themselves anymore, but they didn't have that severe reaction. So I really think across the board, we've had different different injections out there. This has not been the same thing for everybody. I, I absolutely agree. And I, I'm sure you're familiar. They have the like, how bad is your batch uh, that they've been putting out there, you know, so and there are, as you said, drastically different uh, 
uh, results and reactions and responses. So I, I think that that's likely. It is a test, right? It is a clinical trial. <laughs> We're just the test subjects. So yeah, so it makes sense that they would not make it uniform so that they could beta test. But yeah. yeah. And one thing I noticed too, and so I mentioned I never gave uh, vaccines as a as a pharmacist. And I right. the last place I was practicing pharmacy at before I quit for that other job, they had asked me, they said, they really wanted me to become an immunizing pharmacist. And I was starting to consider it. I was like, well, maybe, you know, because they said, well, we could really use another one on hand if these people come in. This was prior to COVID. This was like the flu vaccine, pneumonia, right. shingles, things like that. And so I said, well, maybe I'll try it. So they were training me. I never became certified, but they were training me on showing me what the database looked like. And to my surprise, it was a .gov database. Okay. So when a patient would come in to the pharmacy and get their, schedule their flu shot, there was this form on a .gov database you had to fill out. And it was very detailed. What arm, how long they stayed after the, after the shot. Did they notice a reaction, the lot number, the expiration date? Like it was unbelievable. And so that got me thinking, I was like, okay. And that was when I was working in Vermont. So I'm licensed in Vermont, New York, and Maine. So I reached out to my New York friends and I said, hey, you guys have a .gov database that you log, you know, because I said, Vermont's doing this. And they said, no. So I started reaching out to more people and asking, and there are some states across the U.S., which maybe now it's changed, maybe it's all states, but they were doing a test, a test again, right? Everyone logging into the database, the vaccine records of people, and it's a .gov database. That to me was very alarming. A lot of people don't know that. You think you're going to the pharmacy and it's just going in your specific patient profile, but it's actually being uploaded into a government database, your vaccine record. So I'm sure at this point now, probably all states are doing it. I haven't practiced since uh, you know 2020, so I don't know, but I would think that that's something they're doing as well keeping track of where, again, the lot numbers, the batches are going, who's getting what. I mean, how else do you track it? But but through wow. that system. Yeah. And isn't that a violation of HIPAA? I mean, I know. Really I think? thought the same thing. But, you know, they always get around it when it's the .govs. They somehow have a way to work that in, that it's not a violation of HIPAA when it's coming to the, the government. Oh, it's record keeping. You know? And I wonder on the medical side. So this is what happens at a pharmacy. What takes place at a doctor's office? What if you were to go to the doctor's office and get your vaccine? Do they have the same system? I don't know. But it's. I thought that was very interesting. Yeah, that is very interesting. And I, as you said, I'm sure most people have no idea. But yeah, that is very concerning that it's not just going into your file. It's going into a big government database and who knows what they're doing with it. But I'm sure we could speculate. Um, I'm sure. <laughs> I don't think anything anything we would want is being done with it. So, yeah. What are your thoughts on the DARPA hydrogel? So you talked about the spike protein, uh, but I've, I've done a fair amount of research on the DARPA hydrogel, and it seems like that alone uh, could have very deleterious uh, effects on someone. So what are your thoughts on it and what are your thoughts on the, like this supplement for instance would that help with clearing some of that out as well yeah i don't know if the supplement would help with that but the one thing i think that's really important with i mean i've been asked so many questions about so many possibilities of what could be in these injections yeah. and i guess that the, the the number one thing is keep your immune system strong 
Right. Like that's really going to be number one, because right now we, we do not know what we're encountering. This is all new information. And as we're studying and investigating and researching, we're coming up with there's a lot of different things and we don't have like hard, concrete, solid evidence to go by. Right. And so my number one recommendation, and I've talked to a few people on the DARPA hydrogel, but I'm not well versed. I don't know a lot of information on it. But my number one thing to tell people is keep your immune system strong. So people then say, well, how, how do I keep my immune system strong? The vitamin D with K is really important for your immune system to stay strong, right? You want to be able to take digestive enzymes so that you're able to absorb the nutrients from the food that you eat. So this way it's broken down and you can get what you need from the food you eat. Um, bee pollen. Bee pollen is like God's natural vitamin. I know it's yeah. something I never heard of until of recent in the past yeah. few years. But Great. bee pollen is really important to help keep your keep your health, um, keep your body well and keep your health strong. So those are just some basic things. And again, I really encourage people to get outdoors. Deep breathing techniques, which really, again, something we're not taught about, but you get oxygen and increase oxygen in your body and oxygen through your bloodstream that helps keep your body balanced. Um, not eating sugars, high sugary foods or processed foods, avoiding seed oils because all of that makes your body acidic. And when your body's acidic, your immune system is weakened and you want to have your body more alkalized. Intermittent fasting is another really important thing people don't think about doing. We just, are we eating because we're hungry? Or are we eating because we're craving? Or is it comfort, right? So try to have a light dinner early and cut off your your time and go like a 16 hour fast through your sleeping hours that will help your body heal and, and keep it natural and balanced as well so that's my number one thing with anything else outside of the norm is really your immune system should stay strong and you know another thing that people kind of take it as woohoo a little bit but prayer mm -hmm. you know Prayer is really, really important. And we've seen with that, I don't know his name, the Japan doctor who spoke over water. Oh, yeah. Momoto. Momoto. Right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And beautiful. Like, yeah. to me, that really, that really sat with me in a way that I'm like, you know what? There's something in praying and being positive. It keeps your body. We're, we're water. We're so much of water. So what when we have good thoughts, positive mood, stay focused, it keeps us healthy as well. Yeah, absolutely. No, that's so true. And even for people who are not religious, there's been so many, um, you know, studies through physics in terms of the the power of energy and how yes. that how healing that can be. So yeah, prayer is absolutely much more than just a, a woo woo type of. <laughs> you know, we have scientific evidence to substantiate the power of it. So yeah, I love that study with the the water. That's it's just crazy. Yeah. No, I wish I had a microscope to just try it myself. Yeah. Like, it's just, it's so fascinating to me to actually see those structures form. It's beautiful to see what, yes. what our words have power. And we've kind of had that taken away from us, right? We've been stripped of, uh, of having power in our words and, and being able to proclaim our sovereign rights. And so I think that really when you start to look at what we speak to water changes, what we can right. speak to life, you know? Yeah. So... Absolutely. And uh, when you're talking about, you know, like the things to boost your immune system, you, you'd mentioned seed oil. That's like one of my pet peeves because it's in everything. It's like, no. I, like literally everything. And even if you go to a restaurant and you ask for olive oil, they'll tell if you if you like ask them to double check, they'll tell you it's half olive oil, half canola oil. Oh. What? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. It's it's really become kind of just ubiquitous. So 
that's a it's a hard one for people to avoid, but it is really inflammatory. So definitely, and I guess if you can't avoid it one hundred percent, trying to find ways to avoid it some, right? Mm-hmm. Because if it is in everything, you don't want to be ingesting every meal of the day full of of that poison, right? right? So find a way to limit it because it's true. I mean, who doesn't get enough? Who doesn't want a snack? You know, there's no way you're going to eat so perfect, you know, and so it's okay. I don't want people to feel so like afraid because I don't like people living in fear, but just moderation and find ways to cut it out. And, you know, the other thing I say to people too, don't go through your cupboards and like throw out all the food you've purchased, right? Because that it's expensive. So start moderating and say, okay, I'm going to have this here. I'll eat this a little bit incorporate some of the healthier foods and work your way through i just don't I, yeah people i feel bad because also people start to realize oh my gosh this is all bad for me and then mm-hmm. they, so i just went and paid three hundred dollars at the grocery store you know so i say try to move you know work it around so this way you're not toxifying your body with it all the time yeah that's such great advice i think it, all this stuff becomes overwhelming to people you know i, I think people for a long time, a lot of people have kind of had blinders on and, you know, no awareness of what's going on. And then suddenly to realize just, uh, you know, how much we've been lied to and how much is uh, can potentially be how much we're being poisoned, really, you know, from every angle. And I think that can be really overwhelming. So I think it's great that you give them kind of the the slow transition and it doesn't need to be because that's not healthy either. I mean, for you to be no. living in fear and to be uh, so rigid and consumed with something. So, yeah. Right. And of course, it's expensive yeah. too. So, there, yeah. And yeah, inflation right now, nobody needs that. So, no, definitely not. Yeah. I really, my goal is always, you know, to in- equip and empower people. I, I call myself the people's pharmacist because it's the people. That's why I became a pharmacist. And yeah. I, I do not answer to big pharma, I answer to the people. I want to help the people. Yeah. And so, I look at it from a realistic point of view, like I'm not going to come out here and expect people to clear their home of any chemical toxin, their foods. You know, it's just, it's unrealistic. What's realistic is first awareness, knowing, okay, now I'm aware this is what they've been doing. And the food industry, I believe, is partnered with the big pharma industry because that one poison takes people to the other poison, right? So it's really just becoming aware, saying, okay, I now know this is happening. Then you say, what can I eliminate? What can I get rid of? I mean, I still use laundry detergent. You know what I mean? I know yeah. it's like, right? Like there's still things I have. I found some more natural shampoos. I use deodorants without aluminum. I use fluoride-free toothpaste. You know, but there are still some products I have. It's hard to go through and just eliminate everything that we've been using for so long so you start with something small you can do i can change my toothpaste tube okay that's a good thing i can change my deodorant i can change shampoo and then you just start going and as you go you start to realize you're incorporating more and more of the healthy and and eliminating some of that bad and it's it's just small steps and if anyone thinks they can do it overnight they're wrong because i thought i could i read some stuff one time and I literally panicked. It was like eight o'clock at night. I was reading all the things that were toxic in my house. And I looked around and I went, everything, like <laughs> everything around me is toxic. And I got kind of nervous and I just had to go, I had to go to bed. Like it was super early. And I just had to go sleep it off because I, I was so overwhelmed. But I felt when I woke up and I, I love this. If you ask a question before you go to sleep, sometimes in the morning you get the answer. Yeah. And when I felt the answer was, was one step at a time one yeah. step at a time 
And again, the power of prayer, the power of being positive, the power of not living in fear, owning, okay, they've tried to do this. They're not going to do it anymore. I'm going to stand strong. I'm going to fight back. And I'm going to remove one thing at a time. And we've incorporated a healthier cooking lifestyle, healthier eating lifestyle, healthier products. We still have some that aren't, but in time, we'll get there. And instead of being so fearful of the things I'm surrounded by. Yeah, I love that. I think that is so empowering for people to hear that because, yeah, you just get overwhelmed and then, you know, your instinct is to want to completely uh, start over, essentially, right? Just to wipe out everything that you've been using and to start all new. But that's that's incredibly overwhelming and expensive. And and it's also where do you begin with that? Because then yeah. you have to research. What do you I, I know we've been going through this with just the like dishwasher detergent, like trying to find one, you know, <laughs> and they don't all all these natural things don't always work as well. So, you know, there, there's that too. Yep. So that there is I, I don't think that the reason for them uh, implementing some of these more toxic type of uh uh, products was necessarily always all sinister you know sometimes they, they they're they're effective they clean you know so uh, yes. they just can be harsh and they can be endocrine disrupting so yeah but it does take a bit of research to try and go through and find and and of course it's also bio individual it's personal so you know somebody may love one thing and tell you how great it is and you try it and you're like no not so much it doesn't work for me but yeah. Right. It is. It is trial and error. And and that's why I say, too, if you're going to try something natural, don't buy it in bulk. You know, like get a small amount, see how it works, you know, and, and I agree doing your research. And there's a lot of research to be done because you're going to we have to awaken our intuitive skills back. Yeah. Right. Right. Because when you read something, you need to know if it's true. Then how do you know if it's truth? We've lost that gift, that ability to just intuitively know if someone's lying to us or they're telling us the truth. So mm -hmm. as people start researching, you'll feel it. You'll know, ah, this is this is what I need to try. This is this one is telling me the truth. And that's really much what I've gone by. I I've prayed and asked for that that to be awakened in me more so that I can know and I can see because we are living in times where it's a lot of fog. There's a lot of fog around us and we're trying to navigate through. It's more of an information war than any other war we've seen. And, and really, we're on the battlefield every day. So everyone's at risk. And so we really need to, again, equip ourselves and empower ourselves to live in the sovereignty we were born with yeah. and, and own that. you know. And then when you start to do that, you will feel and know this is truth. Okay, I'm going to follow this. I'm going to go this way. And I, I believe when people start doing that, it the next the next one becomes easier because you you went with that that gut feeling of this is truth and then the next time you see that oh that feeling's back again and right. they keep walking with that mm -hmm. i think that's so true i think it is like like a muscle you know the more you become in tune with it the stronger it becomes and i think we have been so disconnected from our intuition for so long and i, I do think that's by design i think that is intentional so yeah, yeah. Um, how mm -hmm. did you get involved with the wellness company so I mentioned earlier that I kind of went out there yeah, as an activist because I was right. so frustrated with what I was seeing. And especially the state I live in is New York and the masking that took place early on and how I was, you know, kicked out of stores for not wearing a mask and, yeah. you know, really made to look like I was killing children because I wasn't wearing a mask or killing grandma 
So I just became enraged because I was like, no, this isn't science. This isn't even truth. The box on the mask says it doesn't prevent anything. So I was like, so it just, but for me, it was this warrior spirit kind of rose up and I started to go and travel and meet amazing people. And one of the the doctors I met was Dr. Heather Gessling, and she's a really sweet friend of mine, not just a yeah. colleague. I've had her uh, on. She's wonderful. Yeah. Oh, I know, right? She's great. And so meeting her, you know, we had connected and she got involved with the wellness company first. And within a week of them, like kind of discussing what we were going to, what was going to unfold, she said, I know someone to bring in on the team. And again, as a pharmacist, uh, yeah, I, I'm a doctor, but a doctor of pharmacy, I'm not really included as I'm not an MD. I don't treat patients. I am there to assist the, the doctor, you know, in filling the prescriptions or giving advice on medication. So I'm not there to diagnose, right? right. But but she realized her words to me exactly were when she called me. She says, you're a warrior in this fight and I need you to be on this team. I said, sign me up. I was like, I'm all in before I even knew anything about it. And that was in May, in May of 2022, when we were just discussing and then we really went official in June and we then launched in September. And right away, I was amazed that they just saw that I had, you know, this desire to not only help the people, but help my fellow colleagues of pharmacists out there who saw and knew the same thing I did. And they didn't want to be a part of big pharma. There's others like me. And then also, I want to help pharmacies, those mom and pops that are struggling. They shouldn't be struggling. We need to support them and however we can. So we're, we're right now working on affiliating with those pharmacies that are out there. And so right away, they're like, okay, we want you, your VP of pharmacy, run with this. And so that's what I've been doing since and, and absolutely love it. I love the team we have. I love the, the people. What you see on the outside is exactly how it is on the inside. We care about each other. We're a family. It's a really great place to be. Ah, oh, I love that. Beautiful. What are your thoughts about you? You've talked a lot about the mom and pop type of uh, pharmacies. Do you see them uh, potentially going in a more holistic direction in the future? A lot of them that are aligned with us, yes. A lot of them understand that prescriptions, I mean, they're they're awake, they're aware to things, they understand what prescriptions are doing. But again, we all realize you can't just stop medications. Right. And we also realize that some people being on medications for 20 plus years, they might not have, their body just might be so, you know, in tune to that medication to stop it or even trying to, might not be, might not be in the best health for that patient. So we have a lot of these pharmacists, these pharmacy owners are aware they want our supplements in their stores because they say we want natural products. We want to be able to give people the opportunity to purchase something natural over using pharmaceutical. Um, our preferred pharmacy, which is in Las Vegas, Nevada, it's Partel Pharmacy. He is like, he doesn't really want to dispense medications. He does compounding. He compounds ivermectin. He compounds hormone replacement therapy, compounds natural products. And his store is all supplements. It's a, a beautiful place to walk into to see an array of natural options. And that's where his, his goal is. So I think a lot of these pharmacies are looking that way. And I even believe that as they're realizing these insurance companies are not reimbursing them and they're losing, you know, they're losing money. They've got to find a new way to sustain and be profitable. Yeah, for sure. Um, I have a couple of questions, but since you mentioned ivermectin, I'll ask about that first. Uh, what are your thoughts on that uh, 
I guess that one in particular, but in, in general, some of the it's really the anti-parasitics that were so condemned and censored uh, because hydroxychloroquine is an anti-parasitic as well. And uh, mm-hmm. you know, I have my theory about it. I do think it's related to the DARPA hydrogel because the way that it acts, it behaves like a hydra parasite lodging itself mm-hmm. into the cells. Um, so, you know, of course, my uh, this is speculative. I, d- I don't have concrete, you know, definitive uh, evidence to substantiate my my theory on it. But it does seem to make sense to me that because it behaves like a parasite that these drugs might actually be a good antidote and that's part of why they didn't want uh, it being discussed or being uh, utilized. What are your thoughts and what are your thoughts also on some of the things they have moving forward? Do you think they're going to be more in that vein? Yeah, I I agree with you 100% that there's a lot more to this than what we're being told. I mean, and even looking up some studies like that helps with cancer and even yep. hydroxychloroquine as well has some anti-cancer properties. And so they really don't, you know, these these studies have been there, but not like we've seen them. But then when something makes the news, you start to dig and come up with, you are know, like, wait a second. Oh, my goodness, this is crazy. And then realizing, is cancer a parasite? Like, what's going on? He just, again, I ask yep. questions like you. I don't have concrete evidence. But it just starts stirring more and more questions. And yeah. I'd rather ask the questions than not and then not know. So I, you know, I just think there's more to the ivermectin. It's amazing though that this medication, along with hydroxychloroquine, has been used for uh, you know many, many years, you know, decades, safe and effective. You know, so we know it's it's safe, we know it's been effective, and how much they've slandered it. And slandering it in the sense, too, of pharmacies saying, oh, you shouldn't fill off-label use medication. That's all pharmacies do. Like 70% of what we fill is off-label. And again, the doctor and the patient, they have that meeting, especially if it's a really good doctor that listens to the patient, understands what they're saying, says to the patient, let's try something. And then who is the pharmacist to stand in the way of what that doctor and patient had had discovered? The pharmacist's job is not the efficacy of any treatment. The pharmacist's job is the safety. Is the dose accurate? Is you know, the, are the directions accurate? Uh, do they have the right quantity for the day supply the doctor's looking for? We're taking that script and making sure everything on it is legit and then making sure it matches with the patient's profile, no drug interactions, you know, no uh, you know, disease state interactions. That's our job on the end, not to say you can't have this because we're saying it's not efficacious. That's not our role. How are we to know? The doctor chooses that with the patient in diagnosing. So there's going to be a lot more we're going to see come out with these. I, I really feel there's going to be a lot more rolling out. Mm-hmm. And I think we need to look into, as I've heard of fenbendazole, you know, a lot of these medications are starting to show up having multiple benefits to them. And with detoxing the body, you know, working on multiple disease states that really are bringing health back to the people. That's why I'm not anti all pharmaceuticals, because ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine have been amazing, have been just absolutely amazing. Yeah, yeah, for sure. What are your thoughts on, you had mentioned like some of these uh, pharmacies going in a more nutraceutical supplement type direction uh, in conjunction with some of the uh, traditional pharmaceutical uh, prescriptions. But, you know, a lot of these like herbs and uh, different nutraceuticals essentially have been around for thousands of years, but they're not, I mean, they were used as medication. So it's not 
that simple, right? How does somebody who knows nothing start knowing like that, for instance, like olive leaf could be antimicrobial, antibacterial, and it could be good for, you know, a, a whole range of things. But how, how does somebody who doesn't know any of this stuff know? Because I, I think they really are medicines and it shouldn't just be taken for granted that it's all, you can just take anything and it's perfectly safe because that's actually what pharmaceuticals are predicated on. They took herbs and then they just, you know, quantified them. So now they're systematized mm-hmm. and then they add fillers to it and, you know, that's what they sell. But they are essentially stemming mostly from herbs. So they're... They are. Yeah. Yeah. So I, yeah, they I, are for, for the layman. Yeah. Sorry, no, I'm just saying. So for the yeah. layman to just decide that they know exactly what you know supplement or uh, herb or nutraceutical to purchase, I think, is not 100 percent accurate, right? So it can be a little daunting, right? And one thing that's really important that I realized because years ago when I was taking supplements, I would just purchase whatever I could find, grab it, and bring it home realizing, you know, were they really giving me the actual active ingredient? Mm-hmm. How much of it was fillers versus the active ingredient? You know, and realizing that, and again, is I just wonder, okay, you purchase it, it doesn't work, and then you have to go to a pharmaceutical because you purchase right. the natural. So it's looking for good quality. Um, and that is really important is just knowing a company you can trust to get the supplements from. And there are a few that have come out along with us at the wellness company that have this, what we don't have that they have. And in reading, like just researching USA, you want USA for sure. You want to make sure it's not always going to be the cheapest because sometimes the cheapest isn't always the best. I mean, if you're paying $3 for vitamin D, how much of it really is vitamin D? Like for me, I, I realized that they trick you into thinking you're saving money, but you're really not. You know, you're not saving because you're actually harming your body. What are the fillers they're using? So I think it's important to research the companies we have across the U.S. that supply supplements to the people. Secondly, as for the pharmacies, I mean, they are aware of this because they've seen it with their pharmaceuticals. And the pharmaceuticals, yes, these are based off of the compounds in herbs, in Mm -hmm. plants that we have, and they've changed it just enough to patent it. Exactly. So it's no longer natural. You can't patent what's natural, what's right. been created and given to us, but they're patenting all these, you know, synthetic medications right. that again, when they tweak it just right, it never cures. So you keep having to get refill after refill, where some naturals you start taking and you notice things changing in your body, you can become cured. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Right. You can't say cured, but you kind of become the air better. cured. Yeah. 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 <laughs> So you can become better and live in wellness. And that's really what is is the most important thing. Yeah. And so I think with the people looking into things, you have to make sure the source, make sure the manufacturer, you know, and then for me, what we've done, my husband and I, is we've bought literature, bought books mm-hmm. on herbals and looked around our yard and said, what do we have that grows here naturally? Last spring, I made dandelion root coffee. Like nice. I went out, picked my dandelions in the yard, took the roots, dried them out, put them in the oven, roasted them. And for a while I was drinking dandelion root coffee and it's very similar to actual coffee. So very, very, you know, interesting that you could just go out there and, and do that in your yard. You know, these right. are things that we have kind of lost touch with that there's things around us. Um, and I had in my area where I live, a native, um, a native family, and I went to school with them. So I asked, I said, hey, do you have any connections to 
like anything with medicinal mm-hmm. stuff because I'd like to know what the natives were doing because that's what yeah. they lived off of. Sure. And the one one person reached back and said, "Yes, my dad is the medicine man of the tribe." And I was like, I would love to talk to him. So we came to my house and we sat and talked and I took all these notes about all these naturals and what was out there. And it was just amazing to me to hear and see. And he said, June, you don't want a manicured lawn. When you have a manicured lawn, you've lost all the medicinal properties of all the product, everything that's growing out there. There's nothing left in your lawn. So we looked at my lawn and he says, I said, I'm, I don't want, I don't want a nice lawn. I want all the medicinal things out here. So if anything happens, I have access to, to these things, but it just, it's going to take time to research. And, and I really suggest people, if they want to do things a little bit on their own, look to what's native to your area, you know, look up in your area, what's native to your area and then have fun, go herb, herb hunting, you know, and, and have fun with it and try things, you know, and see how it goes. Yeah, Absolutely. So my one other concern is that uh, I feel like a lot of people are moving in because so many people are waking up to, you know, the perils of big pharma. So they're moving into this more supplemental nutraceutical arena. But then sometimes you get these practitioners who basically give you it it becomes the same model. There's a pill for the ill. And, you know, now it's just it's a, a supplement as opposed to a prescription. So how can people avoid that trap? And what are your thoughts on how that's that direction is going? Yeah, I definitely don't want to replace one pill with another pill. It's the same thing. I definitely I agree with you 100%. It's yeah. not that's not my goal. Like I said earlier, there are some supplements that should be taking daily. Sure. Like if you need vitamin D, I mean, you have to take vitamin D. It's really important to the body. And if you're not getting it naturally, our right. foods are depleted. So it really probably the best advice I can say is get a lab panel, see where you're deficient, and then know that those are the supplements your body really needs you to take. That's probably number one. Find out what your body's lacking and then start taking that. And then from there, you can add things once in a while. Like you don't have to take certain things every day. Like for me, when I travel, I purchased our, our, our spike support. And so when I know I'm going out and about, I take the spike support to protect myself from the vaccine shedding, you know, so there are things you can do that, again, it's a supplemental time. It's just a little window where you bump up some things, but you know, your daily, you might need some things daily, but not, you don't need all things, especially if you're not able to have a diet rich in certain foods, you will definitely need those supplements. Yeah, no, that's great advice. And when you, you're talking about like protecting yourself, buffering yourself, we have discussed it a little bit, but I'm just curious because I think I'm sure a lot of the audience is wondering too, you know, they they don't rest. They they keep going with their plans and we've already seen them do like catastrophic contagion and event 202. So they're, and now they're talking about, you know, they, they tried monkeypox and they're, they're gearing up mm-hmm. for Marburg and, you know, they, they, they're trying something. So I, I'm wondering if you have thoughts on, uh, you know, certainly doing all these things to buffer your immune system, but what might be down the pike in terms of uh, either injections or uh, maybe bioweapons that they might be trying to unleash? And do you have any thoughts on what those might be and what we can do to arm ourselves against them? Yeah, I wish I knew their plans. I don't, but I, yeah. I agree with you that they will not stop they will continue to try 
to you know hurt the people. They're not really there to help the people. And again, awareness is really key. Just following and paying attention. And you know, mainstream is not going to give you the truth. So I just recommend if anyone is even listening to their local news, you're going to get more panic and fear from that station. You're not going to get the truth. So listening to people like you and others who are independent and outside of that, you're going to be the first ones that will break with the stories to say, hey, here's what's going on. And one thing, I mean, I'm not media with the wellness company, but we have media. They are watching as well so that this way, if something does you know, show up and rear its ugly head, we can find a way to prevent. And one thing we did at the wellness company was for those in East Palestine, Ohio, we've offered free acute care, you know, for the people there if they need it. I mean, that's, we saw there was a need, right? Mm. Nobody was, nobody was jumping up to say, hey, we'll help. We've offered that to the people of East Palestine, Ohio. They can come in and get seen by a provider for no cost. So we tried to, you know, help out where it's needed, but we saw when monkeypox was coming, like, oh, here we go. And then I I sometimes think with people like you being on it and reporting it, they're like, darn, they found out we can't do anything, you know, because there's been a lot of yes. I think so too. (laughs) We've kind of squashed because I think we're very aware and we're talking about it. And then they know if we talk about it before it's released, I think then they can't they can't go through with their plans. So there's been a lot that I think has been stopped along the way. I give credit to the people. We're we're coming out of that slumber and we're 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 making note of things. And I I think it's it's thwarting their plans a lot more. I I couldn't agree more. I absolutely think that I've seen that on so many uh, different fronts. You know, not just with the the medical uh, you know fear mongering that they've tried, but I think they've tried to stoke a lot of. Uh, you know, uh, unrest and riots on, you know, many political narratives. And I think they failed multiple times because they, you know, they did the uh, the whole BLM Antifa riots in 2020. And then, of course, COVID. And I think now there, there are a lot of people who are like, I might not fall for this one again. You know, <laughs> so yep. it, it wasn't yeah. as successful as they might have hoped, which is great. And hopefully, hopefully people, more and more people continue to wake up. I, I hope that, you know, the Great Awakening will combat the Great Reset. That's my hope. So, yes, yeah. me too. Me too. I, you know, I believe it will. I believe what we're seeing. Again, I'm always the, um, you know, positive voice. Uh, my husband always laughs at me. He's like, you're so optimistic. I'm like, I have to be. It's like in my blood. <laughs> but I really feel like I'm seeing things shift. I'm seeing things shift on the level on that. I'm seeing people in my community wake up and realize and push back. You know, and th- another thing about me, a lot of people don't know because I live rural anyway, but I'm on the town board where I live. I ran for town council. Mm-hmm. I won and I won because I was unopposed. Because if I get, I'm guessing if I had an opponent, they would have done something, right? But I, I won. And what I'm trying to teach these people that have been there for 30 plus years, yeah, you have the power locally. Yeah. You have the power, right? We have been lied to that it goes federal, state, county, and then local. It does, It goes the opposite. So what I'm hoping to do is by being there in a very gentle, kind, loving way, yeah. shaking them up and letting them know we have the power. So what really is happening across the nation is a lot of these small communities are realizing they have that power. And by owning that power and telling the county and telling the state and telling the federal government, no, not in my town, this awakening is pushing back that great reset for sure. Oh, that is so great. And I couldn't agree more. I think locally, I don't have a whole lot of power, uh, 
a lot of uh, faith and uh, in the you know federal politics and even on the state level it's so corrupt but locally not that there's not corruption there as well but i think if there is power to effectuate any kind of change i think that's where it is and i think even if you know those uh, local areas might be more contaminated you know in some areas they may be mm-hmm. there's still i think tremendous power in the the morale so in people getting involved, in people voicing their opinions, in having actual discourse and just the community aspect, people get being the the just the, the sheer act of being involved and engagement, I think, has so much power to effectuate change. So I, I really applaud you that you're doing it. And I hope that inspires more people to get involved and take some action in their local arena in whatever capacity. You know, they don't necessarily have to. Exactly. Us, but. Yeah, I agree. I couldn't agree more. And that's really I mean, I came in not knowing anything like I've never been involved. I wasn't on any debate team in high school. Like I never did. I was like seriously the farthest removed. But I saw a need and I heard that power was with the people. So I said, well, I'll just try and see. Yeah. You know, here I am. And it's definitely as a newcomer to like this arena, you know, you are kind of put here. It's a little standoffish at first. Yeah. But as you go in and you you let them know you're from the community, I'm not just like th- they see the younger people because again they're there for 30 years. Here I come, I'm the youngest one on the board. Like who's this young girl? What is she going to want to do? And then they realize our our values are aligned. That I want to save the rural the rural towns. I want to save the community. I want to keep the farmland. I want farmers to thrive like they once did. They're like, wait a second. You sound like us old people. You know, like this, I we all have the same values, right? Yeah. And so I think when they start to realize that, their guard goes down. They're open to listening to us. So I do encourage people to attend their meetings. School boards very important. We've got to go back to really. And I heard it mentioned at in a speech I was at. Someone said school board meetings have turned into hockey arenas because the parents that used to go to their kids' games, yeah are now showing up at the school board meetings and pushing back against what's been creeping in so much, you know, to take ownership of these positions. And now we're saying, "Uh uh-uh, we caught you, no more. And I think people, again, it's uncomfortable, but sometimes you've got to walk through that uncomfortableness to to make progress and have gain. And then in the end, you'll realize you've accomplished something pretty, pretty cool and amazing that you're saving your community. That's really what it's all about. Uh Okay. Yeah, absolutely. So well said. And I, I hope that really does inspire people because I, I think a lot of people are very intimidated by the idea. So they just, you know, do nothing because they're afraid to do something. So yeah, I think so you just don't start be afraid. Small. Yeah. Don't be afraid. Yeah. Walk through that fear. Courage is walking through the fear, really. Because I know some people say to me, Oh, you're so brave and you're so courageous. I still feel fear. I just sure. don't let it control me. So that's what we have to do is push it aside and say, not having this today and walk through. And and again, it's kind of the same thing with building that intuitive muscle. It's the same thing with building your your courage muscle, right? Right. As you realize you can knock down these fears that are false, you start to realize, oh my goodness, I, I can do this. And it's very empowering and it's it's encouraging and, and hopefully others do see that and say, I'm gonna I'm gonna step up today. I wish I could see people like jumping off their chairs right now, like excited yeah. and motivated. <laughs> I know, I know. I hope so. That's that's awesome. Well, thank you so much for everything you're doing and for spending all this time with me today. If you have anything else that you want to add to impart to the audience, please do. And of course tell everybody where they can find you, where they can find the wellness company, all that good stuff. 
Yeah, sure. Well, the link for Courtney is below. So definitely check out the link to the wellness company below this podcast and, and definitely check out all we have to offer. We have amazing, great things all over the place. I mean, it's too much to even talk about. We have so many great things. And I just hope you check us out, visit, and choose to like us and become a member. We'd appreciate your support. And thank you again and for this opportunity and time to share and discuss all these amazing topics with you today. Thank you. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.